Psalm 9, and we'll read it here together. Psalm 9, beginning in verse 1, says this, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou sattest in the throne, judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. Verse 7, But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. <coughs> he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation." The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Higeon Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. Lord, we thank you, uh, dear Lord, uh, for your mercy and grace upon uh, this nation. Lord, I'm glad that uh, we're still free. I'm glad that we can still celebrate, uh, Lord, this great country that we believe you had a part uh, in, in founding. And uh, Lord, uh, we can look at our history, dear God. And, uh, and Lord, be encouraged, uh, uh, dear God, uh, as uh, citizens of this country. And Lord, I pray uh, most of all as citizens of heaven, dear God, we want to do our part while we're in, in this country, dear God, to serve you and be the witness and testimony you'd have us to be. Lord, thank you for each one that's here. Thank you for each one that's listening in. And Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts and help us to learn and grow through the word of God. Lord, if there's somebody here listening that's not saved, Lord, I pray that you convict and open that heart and draw that heart unto you today. Lord, we thank of those that are traveling today. We thank of those that are, uh, can't be here because of sickness and uh, other things that may be going on. And God, we pray your hand of mercy upon them. Uh, but Lord, I pray just help us to keep our eyes on you and keep marching forward to your honor and glory. Lord, as uh, you build your local church, in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. And so uh, as we look at this Psalms, uh, just as a, as a quick thought of the, about this Psalm before we get into it is uh, this Psalm lines up with the end times. You know, Brother Woods teaching on that uh, in Sunday school, but uh, this Psalm goes along uh, with the end times, uh, the tribulation and the millennial reign of Christ. It seems like God let David see this. 
Now, maybe not to the full degree that he let others see it later on, but he did give some understanding. And it's amazing uh, how many things we talk about in the New Testament that you can see them uh, rooted, right? You know, there's a law first mentioned in the Bible. You can see a lot of those things first uh, mentioned uh, in the Old Testament. But just to give you, uh, I'm not going to get into this, but just to give you a thought concerning that, in verses 1 and 2, you see the delight of the prophet praising the Lord freely and praising the Lord fully there. And then verses 3 through 6, you see the destruction of the beast. In verses 7 and 8, the dawn of the millennium. Verses 9 through 14, the duration of terror. Verses 15 through 18, the day of the Lord. And then verses 19 and 20, if you will, uh, some doctrine there. But this psalm is about God's complete victory over his adversaries. This psalm, as we look at it, and we'll see as we look at some verses, causes us to think of our own nation. And of course, as we think of the 4th of July, we think about our nation. But here's some scripture that maybe helps us think about our own nation and what we should be doing as believers in a nation that has forgotten God. And notice verse 17, we'll start there. Verse 17 and what it says. It says, the wicked shall be turned into hell. Oh, man, we know that. We know that. We know the wicked shall be turned into hell. But notice what else it says. And all the nations that forget God. And all the nations that forget God. The biggest problem in America today, even though we hear about it a lot of news, is not inflation. That's not the biggest problem in America today. The biggest problem in America today, even though we like to gripe about it, is not our leaders. That's not our biggest problem today. The, uh, the biggest problem for America today is not our foreign threats, even though uh, we have some. The biggest problem in America today, I believe, is that America has forgotten God. America has forgotten God. Let me give you some verses. Romans 1. Uh, give you a couple of verses from there. Romans 1, beginning in verse 19, says this, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now notice verse 21 of Romans 1 says this, Because that... When they knew God, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. There is no doubt, as our history proves, and I read a few things there, and many of you have looked at some of the history of America. There is no doubt, as our history proves, that there was a time that America knew God, that America knew God. They knew him, but unfortunately, in our generation and uh, recent ones, they have forgot him. Now, again, verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Well, that would certainly, that verse would certainly apply to those uh, who lead our institutions of higher learning and the average uh, uh, politician today, no, I thought professing themselves. That's why they're called professors. Remember that, right? <laughs> professing themselves, right? But uh, turn over to Deuteronomy 6 and let us notice something together. Notice what the Lord said to Israel in Deuteronomy 6. I'll begin in verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, and then I'll begin in verse 4, says this. 
Hear, O Israel. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, is our, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thee. Notice some things he's going to mention. Which he sware unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Look at some things that he mentions in these next two verses. To give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Notice verse 12. Deuteronomy 6 verse 12 says this, Then beware... Then beware, what? Lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Notice that warning, all right, in verse 12. And what is that warning? Then beware. When? What, what, does that, what is that referring to? And I believe it's this. When thou become prosperous, when thou become prosperous, prosperity, when you are being blessed and prospering, when you are being blessed and prospering, be careful about forgetting God. And that is, of course, uh, what happened. And that is exactly, exactly what has happened in America. Notice again, it mentioned great and goodly cities, houses of all good things, wells, vineyards, and olive trees, eaten and be full. Boy, don't those things right there describe America today. We have great and goodly cities. We have houses full of good things. Well, uh, some of us have wells, amen. Some of us, we turn on the water, but either way, we have water when we, uh, we need it. And boy, if you've ever been in other countries, you know how vitally important that is. Vineyards and olive trees, eaten and be full. We are following, you see this, where uh, uh, prosperity is often the downfall of great nations. In fact, we are following in the footsteps of the wicked city of Sodom. Now, when you think of Sodom, what do you think? Well, you think about all those uh, uh, sexual sins and things that they were judged for. Well, what, what led them to becoming so wicked and vile? Well, it tells us, listen to these verses in Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16, verses 48 through 50 say this. As I liveth, saith the Lord God, Sodom, thy sister, hath not done. She nor her daughters, as thou hast done. Thou and thy daughter said, listen, you're even more wicked than Sodom. Hey, I think God could say that to America today. But notice what he says, what the downfall was. Verse 49, behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. Boy, uh, we've heard a lot about that lately. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Boy, we have a lot. Listen, you know what's the problem with a lot of children today? Too much idleness, 
Too much idleness. That's what's wrong uh, with a lot of adults today. Too much idleness, so they got to find something to get into, right? They got to find something to do, something to get into. Abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And look at this. And they were haughty and they become prideful about it and committed abominations before me. Why were they committing abominations before God? Well, they became prosperous. Right? They had fullness of bread. Boy, and things were going good, so they had some extra time, and uh, they became full of uh, uh, pride, and they became haughty. And so God, and so they, 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 they turned from God, and they forgot about God. God told Israel that's what happened to them, and they became worse. And I'm sad to say that this is what has happened to America. We become uh, uh, prosperous and become uh, blessed and we've got idols of time and all these things. And God gives a warning to those, right, that uh, forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell and who and all the nations that forget. God gives a warning. We shall be judged, amen, and turned into hell. Look at verse 16. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. Now think about that. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth, and the wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. And notice how these last two words of verse 16, Higeon and Selah. So in verse 16, it says, known by thy judgment. Now, usually when you think of God, you think, well, he's known by his love. If I said, hey, tell me something about God. No doubt somebody's going to say, well, he's known by his love. He's known by his grace. He's known by his holiness. But we see here, he must also be known by or for his judgments, that God is a God that judges, amen, sin. Verse 8 says this, and he shall judge the world in righteousness, right? So the world, that includes what? The nations. And yes, America will stand before God. America will stand before God. Let me read some verses out of Matthew 25. It says this, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he set upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Revelations 15, 3 and 4 say this, And they sing the song of Moses, a servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify the name? For thou art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest." And so it's sad to say even our country will be judged by God. And notice how verse 16 ended. Selah. Now, we've seen that word several times, but it means what? Pause. Now, think about this. Think about this, that God is a God of judgment. God, God has to judge sin. So he has to judge our nation. But notice this verse goes a step further. We've seen the word selah several times, but notice that other word there, higeon. I think uh, this might be the only place it's mentioned or it's not mentioned often, and that word goes a step further. It's not, that means this. That means take time to meditate on this. In other words, don't just pause and think about that for a second and move on. It says you need to take time to meditate on what's being said here. 
You need to really get this. And one of the things you need to really get, that the Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. And that God has to judge uh, sin and deal with things, whether it's an individual, because it says there, the wicked shall be turned into hell. So we know that he judges the individual, but he also judges the nation that forgets him. And we see that. And they shall be what? They shall be turned. They shall be turned into hell. That means they shall retreat under God's vengeance and driven by him to the extreme of destruction, even hell itself. Those who forget God are classified with the depraved and openly profane. Yes, hell is a real physical place, right? People try to spiritualize it. You know, no, hell is a real physical place, just like the city you live in. Where's hell? Anybody know where hell is? Hell's in what? The center of the earth. Right. So, uh, but, you know, that's why people are going to, but one day God's going to destroy the earth. And that's why there's going to be a lake of fire somewhere else. Because <laughs> death and hell, right, which was in the center of the earth, were cast into the lake of fire. So they're actually going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. But, right, hell's here. But one day God is going to move. But hell is in the center of the earth. Uh, we believe the Bible teaches that. And so, yes, there's a hell. Matter of fact, uh, let me give you these verses quick. You know, in Luke 16, it talks about a man that went to hell. And it says, In hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tongue of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now, remember that statement. He's just asking for a drop of water. So, you know, when you're talking to somebody and people say, oh, this place called hell, well, you know, there's people that have uh, hell on earth. No, uh, there's no such thing uh, as, as hell on earth because let me tell you, I'll let you know that you're not in hell right now because you can go get a drink of water. You can go get a drink of water. In hell, you won't be able to go get a drink of water. And so it says this in Proverbs 15, 11, hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of men? Isaiah 14, 9, it says this about Satan. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. Now think about this. You know, people aren't going to be partying with the devil in hell. No, they're going to be tormented with the devil in hell. They're going to be screaming out. The devil is not looking forward, right, to when he's cast into hell. He's going to suffer just like everyone else there. And notice it even says this, even all the chief ones of the earth, all these rulers that think they're so big and mighty and right now, one day they're going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if they know not Jesus Christ, these people that uh, people are think so great today are going to be suffering the torments as hell, and they're going to answer uh, for their nation why they let it. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations." all the kings of the nations. So we see here, we see a warning. We see a warning for people that don't know Jesus Christ, and we see people that have turned from God, and we see a warning about nations that have turned from God and forget God. So what should we be doing? What can we do for our nation? I'm glad, right? The, the same Bible that gives the warning gives the remedy. Amen. The same Bible that gives the warning gives the remedy. Look here at verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 9. 
says this, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works, and I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. What can we do? We can give God his rightful place. That's what we can do. We can give God his rightful place. Now, uh, as uh, Brother Wood mentioned in Sunday school, and as I mentioned, well, again, we don't know if there'll ever be a, uh, chances are there won't be a worldwide uh, a revival, but we can have revival. Again, the church can have revival. Remember, even over there in Revelation, when he talks to the church, he says, I'm knocking at the door. He didn't stop knocking. And he said, if any man, any individual, right, hey, can open that door. A lot of times we use that, uh, uh, right, in leading people to the Lord. But hey, it's really talking to uh, the church there, the church. Amen. We can open the door and put God in his rightful place. Though our nation has forgotten, we as a church must remember the I wills of verses 1 and 2 will keep God before you. Notice it, how it mentions I will in these verses. It starts off, Psalm 9, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Lord, despite what anybody else is doing, despite what may be going on in the nation, hey, I want people to know what's going to be going on in my heart what's going to be going on in my home, and what's going to be going on in my church. We, I will praise the Lord. I will show forth his marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou must high. Most high. This should be our desire. Of course, as individual Christians, as a Bible-believing church, and this should be as a Christian nation. This should be our desire. But unfortunately, uh, they've turned from God. And notice that statement, with our whole heart. Whole, that means the entire of something. That means nothing's being left out. The greatest thing in the world, first of all, of course, is to be saved, to know the Lord Jesus Christ and your, as your personal Savior. And then secondly, to give Jesus your whole heart. Amen. To give Jesus your whole heart. Too many, too many believers, unfortunately, are leaving a part to themselves. No, don't leave anything for yourselves. Don't leave any for anybody else, right? Just like this cup, right? When, it, when, when, something, when something is full, nothing else can get in. But when something's not full, that, re, that leaves room for something else to slip in, right? And so we want our heart Amen. To be totally given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want him and his will and his truths to fill our heart so that, amen, nothing else can slip in. So one, we need to give God his rightful place as a people, as a church, and then pray for our nation. Amen. That it would turn back to God. So remember, give God his rightful place. And then remember, despite the troubles, we have a refuge in times of trouble. Verse 9 says this, The Lord also will be a refuge to the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Now, uh, Brother Wood was talking in uh, uh, there when he was talking about the end times. He was talking about those that came out of great tribulation. Now, we are certainly not dealing with anything like they're going to suffer in the great tribulation. But notice it says, in that verse, if I remember, it says, what, those that have come out of great tribulation would have been washing what? In the blood of the Lamb. Now think about that. If in the middle of the tribulation and during the time of the tribulation, if Jesus can be a refuge during that kind of trouble, 
We're not suffering nothing like what's going to happen during the tribulation. So if Jesus can be a refuge in that type of trouble, in tribulation than the great tribulation, boy, you can be sure that whatever trouble we face, even until uh, uh, the Lord takes us home, amen, uh, uh, by, by the veil or by the, uh, uh, the grave or the air, either way, amen, that he can be a refuge for whatever uh, we're facing in our nation at this time. He will be a refuge. So the flee to God. Life is not about having no troubles. It's about knowing how to respond in those troubles and fleeing to Jesus. Verse 10 says, And they that know thy name, notice that statement, will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. So notice those statements. They that know thee will put their trust in thee. So that's, that's an important thing to remember. They that know thee will put their trust in thee. And so we must do that. We must teach others about Jesus so they can put their trust in him. And it says in verse 11, Right? Declare among the people his doings. And that is our responsibility on a daily basis. Keep telling others about Jesus. We change, uh, listen, we change a nation made up of individuals. Remember, all a nation is is what? It's made up of individuals. Well, how do we change a nation? Well, if a change is made up of individuals, the best way to change a nation is by changing individuals, right? That's the way you change a nation. We always think some big, uh, great thing has to happen. Well, when an individual gets saved, a great, big, wonderful thing did just happen. I mean, the day you got saved, didn't you think that was a great, big, wonderful thing? And it still is a great, big, wonderful thing when an individual gets saved. So we change a nation made up of individuals one individual at a time by being faithful in that area. You know, I hear a lot of people complain about America, including believers. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, preachers and people, they'll have uh, 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 political rows and stuff, and they'll stand and complain about America. But our responsibility doesn't mean we don't talk about things and discuss things, but our responsibility is not to run down America. Our responsibility is to lift up Jesus in America. That's our responsibility. Not to run down America. Does, again, that doesn't mean we don't, aren't concerned about things and don't talk about things and pray about things. But our main responsibility, even though I hear a lot of people running down America, more important than that is lifting up Jesus in America. That is what we should be doing for America, lifting up Jesus in America. Because as, as we see, notice verse 12. As we get ready to finish up, verse 12 says, when he, maketh, when he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. Notice what it says there. He maketh inquisition. Nothing is going to escape God. You know, we like watching those investigative shows. I like watching them. I like how they solve a cold case and, you know, how, how people investigate. Things. I remember watching this show one time, how this guy solved a crime. This guy was amazing. I said, man, if anything ever happens to anybody in my family, I hope that guy's still alive because that is the guy I'm going to hire. He was, he was a retired New York policeman, and he had, he had a heavy accent. I just loved the way he talked. I knew that was the guy. I told you that's, that's the guy. Huh? I knew he was the guy. Just had to be patient. Just got to be patient. I knew that was the guy. And you know what? He was right. That was the guy. Everybody else was against him, but he knew that was the guy. And I like, and I mean, I'm going to hire that guy and say, 
please call me on the phone and say, hey, Jeff, we got the guy. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. Hey, hey, listen. Hey, I like. He, he, I mean, he did a thorough investigation. A thorough investigation. Why other people were running here and there? He was just patient, going uh, through these videos and going through the. He was just patient. I don't. I don't think anything escaped his eye. Hey, listen. Let me tell you. One day, God is going to do a thorough investigation. Amen. About everything in our life, everything in their life, and everything that this nation has done, he's going to do an inquiry. God is going to do his own investigation about the shedding of innocent blood. Revelations 19. I love these verses. Revelations 19, 11 through 16 say this. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flaming fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, look at this, dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Amen. Better, hey, listen, uh, my... My uh, grandson, Mav, has taken horse lessons, and I, I recommend you take a few. Just, you know, get ready for that, amen, if you haven't taken a horse. All right? But it says, we're going to get a horse, right? We're going to see the boss, suffer our loss, and get the horse, and it tells you that right here. And up on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth, look at this, goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should, what? Smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. That's not who he's going to be. That's who he is right now. That's who he was as a babe lying in the manger. Amen. He was in that manger. He was the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. He was the word of God in the manger. He was King of kings and Lord of lords in the manger. Jesus Christ is the living word of God and will judge all things by the word of God. And so he is going to do an investigation and nothing will escape his eye, whether it's an individual or whether it's a nation. And so uh, we, ha we have this in verse 20. We'll, we'll, we'll finish right here in verses 19 to 20. It says this, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. He won't. He won't. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. And it says this in verse 20, put them in fear. Put them in fear, O Lord. Why? That the nations may know themselves to be but men. What got the nations? Prosperity and pride. Prosperity and pride. What is destroying America today? Prosperity and pride. And so what do they need to do? America needs to be humbled. They need to be put in the fear of the Lord. But men, America is powerful. Hey, I'm, I'm thankful as an American. Hey, listen, I, I, I've traveled uh, the world, and let me tell you, America, I don't, it doesn't matter what they, they say on the news, America has a lot of respect in nations. A lot of times when I went into a place, I knew I was just a, a, a little nobody from some uh, little town in the great state of Ohio. I knew that. But, but when I walked in, they said, oh, it's hard for you to say if you've never seen it. Oh, an American. I, but that was a big deal to them to have an American in their house. Not because they 
I was anybody, but they, they, they looked at America as something. And so to have somebody from America, that was a big deal in a lot of, in a lot of places. God uh, gave that, that grace to America. America is powerful, great, but it's not all powerful. America has the ability to gather a lot of information. We talk about that, right? Alexis is recording everything, right? Alexis is recording. We know, right? We all say, America has the ability to gather a lot of information, but its government is not all-knowing. Only God is all-powerful. Only God is all-knowing. America has embassies around the world, but America is not omnipresent. America is not omnipresent. Only God is all-powerful. Only God is all-knowing. Only God is omnipresent. America, at the end of the day, again, is just a bunch of individuals, a bunch of individuals. Nations are made up of men, and men are mortal. Then it says here that they may know themselves but men. So, as King David wrote here, may our prayer be like David for his nation. And if you remember, like Paul was for his nation, he said this, Lord, put them in fear. Put them in fear, O Lord. What was he saying? Lord, whatever it takes, fear. What does that mean? A sense of awe and fear that causes separation or brings respect. That is, think about that, a fear that causes separation or brings respect. In other words, God, uh, uh, bring them, bring fear into their heart that it will either, they will either go further down or they'll turn back to God. They'll either go further down or they'll turn back to God. Psalm 4.4 says this, stand in awe and sin not. How, how do you get people to stop sinning? How do you get a nation to stop sinning? When the fear of God pierces their heart and they realize what an almighty, holy, and awesome God they're going to face one day and they look up and all of a sudden they stand in awe and they're like, Oop, I better stop what I'm doing. I better stop what I'm doing. Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. <laughs> David prayed that for his nation. We need to pray for that, our nation. Lord, whatever it takes. Hey, uh, there's no way, no matter what happens, right? It's not going to be as bad for us as it will be in the tribulation. God was a ref will be a refuge then. We have that in the word of God. He'll be a refuge no matter what happens. Then. But if we really love our nation, if we really do, then we'll be willing to pray as true Bible believers. If we believe he's the, the word of God and this is the word of God, then we'll be willing to pray, God, whatever it takes, O oh Lord, to put fear back in the heart of the people. You know what? The people of God need to get the fear of God back in their heart, right? Judges must begin at the house of God, right? But to bring it back to our nation, Lord, whatever it takes. Nations like people normally can't handle prosperity. I believe God's hand, as I said, was in the founding of this great nation. I believe God raised America up to be a truly Christian nation, not a country of many religions. The influence of God's word is just too prevalent, as we read in our founding documents and on many of our early structures. Amen. Not, uh, so not to be clear that this country was meant to lift up the name of Jesus. Now, of course, no nation is meant to replace the church, but a Christian nation giving proper place to the church and its society is a wonderful thing. So in conclusion, on this 4th of July, be reminded that 
People forget God when they are prosperous and they think they do not need Him. Be reminded that hell is a real place and the final judgment of all who reject Christ, people or nation. Wholehearted faith in God requires a commitment of our will. It's always a matter of the will. A commitment of our will to God. And never forget, God is our refuge in times of trouble. We must continue to lift up the name and person of Jesus Christ. Boy, people spend a lot of time sitting around running down their nation. Hey, let's go, let, let's go a step above that. Let's choose the high road. And the high road, instead of just running down our nation, is to lift up Jesus Christ in our nation and for our nation. That, amen. That people might know him. Because as it says here, they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. So let's keep getting the name of Jesus out in our country. Let's pray.